Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. In talking with a number of leftists, I have come across with a similar theme that they almost always try to convey. And let me let me see if maybe you have kind of seen this same pattern as well, that what they are pushing is all about love and peace and understanding. You know, it, it is a, a lot closer to what God wants than what you're pushing, they'll say. <laughs> um, it really becomes a religion unto itself for many leftists. Now, there's an article here from the American Thinker, and it uh, actually goes back to, to 2019, and, and it was written by Rick Hayes. And he said this, and I thought it was interesting. I said, he says, as the long conga line of Democrats prepare for their chance at the presidency. So, so what he's, he's setting this up here again, this is 2019. So this is, this is while Donald Trump is, is still president. And yet there's a lot of people, particularly on the democratic side that are lining up to try to take on Donald Trump uh, as for president. And he says, as the long conga line of Democrats prepare for their chance at the presidency, not since the American civil war has the country been so divided on critical issues as it is right now. Moreover, although Democrat socialists, a.k.a. leftists, say the country is in a mess, they don't seem too concerned with the traditional topics of taxes, military spending, and balanced budgets. They are, however, very focused on trying to demonstrate what a bad person they think Trump is and how ridiculously superior they think they are. <laughs> and again, uh, another type of thing that we see from, from leftists all the time. They just think that they're so far superior or they, they understand things so, they're so more, so much more enlightened. It's where the term woke comes from. They've woken up to certain uh, things that, that most people haven't. Uh, listening to Democratic candidates lecture Americans on morality regarding a border wall or a sanctity of of sanctuary cities their campaign rhetoric sounds more like a religious movement than a political position now again you have to understand this is from just a couple years ago but i think you're going to see some 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 of this really has played out and made itself uh show that that is definitely true and it and it it had it was then and it is today um it, it is rather apparent that the left is entirely void of any economic plans or international policies. See, I mean, we see today under the Biden administration that there is no economic plan whatsoever. I mean, inflation is now skyrocketing. We see, you know, because of the few things that he has done. I mean, you can go back uh, at uh, uncommonsensepodcast.com. You can go back to our archive and you can see the first 100 days of the Biden administration podcast that we did and how little that he did that he promised to do in the first 100 days. And and much of what he actually did get done, uh, economic plans uh, that, that, that he had, um, have just absolutely been complete failures. International policies. Oh, man. We could we could be we could do a whole week of podcasts on international policy failures 
that under this administration. Um, but you know, again, he, he saw this coming and we have seen it play out. Instead, it has resorted to becoming pseudo preachers of a quasi socialist religion, sounding more sanctimonious day by day. Of course, that's what they call you. They call you sanctimonious. Uh, so the only questions Americans can ask themselves at this point is whether or not they want to remain a nation based on the belief in God and laws or a country based on faith in government and social justice. Well, you know, if we look back now, uh, we can see that you know, Biden did get elected, sort of. I mean, obviously there there was, and and again, this is another podcast or two that we've done on the election and how fraudulent it was, uh, and and, and the, the things that we can even see even today that do just do, do not match up. A uh, lot of questions there that need to be answered and and are are being slowly answered as as we speak, but. Um, but I, I, I digress. Let's go. Let's go on. One of the biggest scams and and tactical deceptions that leftists use to gain support from outsiders is the attempt to equate Christian teachings to their socialist policies, as if Christianity is more closely matched with the left's good socialist intentions rather than the God-centered Constitution. Nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, according to a February 2016 article in the Action Institute Power Blog, since the mid-1800s, every Catholic pontiff from Pius the, the, the Ninth to Benedict the Sixteenth has forthrightly condemned socialism. Now, again, you know me. I'm not one for um, you know, a lot of the Catholicism. And, and the popes, and I definitely am not a fan of our current pope um, at all, <laughs> just to be honest with you. But, um, but even they have, have come against socialism, and they have spoken out and condemned socialism. The American conservative sees God as the architect of everything and the originator of man's freedom, right? Uh, and, and in the view of government, it's it's li the limited government uh, is what is what we want uh, to protect those God-given gifts that we have, whereas the leftists see government as a godlike idol and their role as an arbiter that control and the and, and allowances parted out by the masses. So the two are opposite ways of life with socialism utterly incompatible with Christianity on every level, really. In, in the secular world, the left has an advantage in playing dirty politics. In, in Proverbs 9.10, it reads this. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Also, since the left does not believe in the Lord, <laughs> I mean, if you're a leftist, you don't really believe in 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 the Lord. You don't believe in Jesus Christ. You don't believe that he's the only way, the truth, and the life. You can't. You can't and, and be a leftist. And you, can, you can believe that maybe that's one spoke to get to God or whatever. There's a lot of different things, but you don't, you don't believe the Bible and you don't believe in Jesus Christ and what he taught. It is without any fear of the Lord that, that you are a leftist. 
And when I say fear, I don't mean like trembling, like, boy, you know, I'm, I'm so afraid of God. No, what it is, it's, it, it, the word here is more of a respect, a very, very, very high respect for the Lord, an, an understanding of his place and yours. Hence, leftists feel free to announce damaging lies without any pains of consequences such as, you know, Trump colluded with Russia, let's say, or Benghazi was the result of a video, or if, if, if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. I mean, these, these were all lies that were per- perpetuated by, by leftists, and yet none of them are true. And I haven't seen anyone say, boy, we really got it wrong there. You know, sorry, this was, this was something that, that we were just way off base with. Other examples of the left having no difficulties with making false statements and outright lying to Americans um, are, are seen when leftist U.S. House uh, Select Committee Chairman Adam Schiff, for instance, stated many times that he had seen hard evidence that Trump colluded with Russia. I mean, that's what he said. He said that tr- he, had, he had seen it. He had been presented and he had seen the hard evidence that Trump colluded with Russia. He hadn't, but Schiff still said it. When amid the more horrific crisis at the border, when former Border Patrol Chief you know, Mark Morgan testified, no relation, by the way, testified before Congress that the crisis is, quote, at a magnitude never seen in modern times, unquote, Democrats concluded ignoring the evidence and maintained the lie at the expense of American lives and stated that, yeah, there was no such crisis existing at the border. You know, perhaps the, the clearest example, though, of the left having no conscience would be when Senator, and this was, this was Senate Majority Leader, actually, at the time, Harry Reid, um, he was questioned about the outright lie that he told in 2012 um, that that when president uh, presidential candidate Mitt Romney, if, if you remember Mitt Romney was was running for president, and there was this lie that came out and that he had not paid his taxes for ten years. Well, when he when uh, Harry Reid was asked about this, and and obviously it, it was a lie. I mean, it, it came out later that you know this was a complete lie that Mitt Romney had paid his taxes and and that this was just a, a flat out lie. What what did Harry Reid say? He said. Well, Romney didn't win, did he? <laughs> See, according to the left, if a lie works, it's okay. You see, it's it's a means to an end. Conservatives don't really use that tactic, but liberals use it all the time. In fact, what happens so oftentimes, in, in my estimation, and what I've seen, is that a lot of liberals will throw a lot of lies out there. Conservatives spend a lot of time and energy trying to refute those lies and trying to say, oh, well, this isn't true because dot, 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 dot. And they go through this whole thing of refuting these lies and they spend all their time refuting the lies when the, all the leftists ha- have done is just simply throw those out there. So, so there's a vast difference between what the left is selling and, and true Christianity. The left's Green New Deal states that taxpayers must guarantee economic security to those who are not able, but unwilling to work. So they're able to work, but they're unwilling to work. And so the Green New Deal says, well, that's okay. It doesn't matter that you're willing to work, but you're unwilling to. We're going to you know, guarantee you 
financial security at taxpayers' expense. Now, at first glance, this might sound like the caring thing to do, right? You know, with Christian intention. Until you read what the actual Bible says regarding work. And and you can find this in 2 Thessalonians 3.10. It says, quote, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. And, and the left continually distorts Christian charity to justify a perpetual welfare state, as, as well as seek reparations even for people who were never slaves, and, and, and really from people who've never even owned slaves. And what about, what about the left wanting to increase the taxes on the rich to pay for things the less fortunate of our society need? Well, surely reallocating money that is a surplus to the wealthiest, you know, 1% and giving it to those who need it more is Christian, right? That's what leftists would say. Left, the left definitely thinks that. But they probably haven't read 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Let me read it for you. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Did you hear what that said? Forcefully taking from one person and giving it to another is not only unchristian, but it's outright robbery. Also, Jesus Christ never stole a thing from a rich person to give it to a poor person. In, in, in his time, Jesus was surrounded by a massive inequity of, of, of wealth. I mean, way more than today. Today in this country, in the U.S., we, have, we still have, and it's, it's shrinking some, but we still have a broad middle class. In Jesus' day, that really wasn't the case. You had the very wealthy and you had, you had the very not wealthy. <laughs> and yet, there is not a word mentioned in the Gospels about redistributing the wealth. Make no mistake, when leftists talk about helping others, they do so intending to use other people's money. Because the left has, as its primary motivation, not assisting people, but obtaining power and exercising control over others. That's their primary motivation. Just just take a look at the black community that has been entirely under the direction of Democrats for the past 60 years or so. Are they better off with, with better family, family units or better jobs, better schools? Well, in Luke 3.11, it says this, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. However, the left has a slightly different version of this. If, if, might I offer their version? Whoever has two tunics, take one away from him and give it to him who has none. Don't you think that's a little more of the way a, a liberal would, would interpret that scripture? 
well, you know, whatever the program, whatever the concocted program, law or, or policy, be assured that leftists will put themselves in the best possible position of authority to judge the thoughts, the feelings, and the actions of others. Higher taxes, selective justice, and group acceptance are not just a few of the notable manipulations by which leftists control those around them. It's, it's just, let, let, let's look at it this way. The, the left doesn't believe he knows better. He knows he knows better. So because he, he knows this, he also knows that anyone who disagrees with him must be inferior, evil, and dangerous. The, the paradox is that the leftist is afraid, not of the opinions of others, but of the shadow they cast upon other individuals. In, in other words, the leftist perceives and fears in others that which is within himself, really. Show me a leftist, according to a you know a, a political opponent, and and I'll show you the next leftist scandal. So, so oftentimes they will accuse others of exactly what they're doing, and they they will come out and say, "Hey, this person's doing this, this this conservative or this this Republican's doing this," and it comes out that that's exactly what they were doing, and what they were saying wasn't real. In the final analysis, the left has no connection with Christian values and nothing to offer the, the American people except division and disharmony, really. Let's hope Americans never board the ruthless democratic socialist ship adrift in a sea of dishonesty and, and facing the, the, the political abyss. And, and I, you know, I, I really ha have, um, have seen so much of this. Uh, in fact, from, from the same American thinker, Daniel Davies just came out just just um, just about a week ago or so uh, with with this on the same subject. Congresswoman Cory Bush recently tweeted that Fourth uh, July Fourth is a holiday, and I want you to listen to this because this is really j just so off the wall. Cory Bush recently tweeted that July Fourth is a holiday celebrating white people's freedom only. Her tweet is part of the radical left's effort to take over America. <laughs> it ignores that while Americans struggled with slavery in its, in its founding, it ensured a horrific civil war to, to end it. And, and, and it endured this war and experienced a, ro a, a robust civil rights movement to realize the Declaration of Independence's promises. And, and, and we are faced now with a choice between the, the, the vision of Karl Marx, to be honest with you, or that of the Declaration of Independence and Abraham Lincoln and Walt Disney. Let me explain. This, this is the July 4th tweet from, from Cory Bush, a freshman congresswoman from Missouri. When they say that the 4th of July is about American freedom, remember this. The freedom they're referring to is for white people. This land is stolen land, and black people still aren't free. Now, that's what she wrote. Bush, she's she's a she's a former BLM activist, has revolutionary intentions. Any fool knows that 
what she is saying is just simply hogwash. She is merely providing a smokescreen for Antifa's and and the BLM's rioting and violence. Their their blatant goal is to use violent res- revolution to overthrow the American government, and that that's really what they've what they've stated, and to install a communist dictatorship. And and she's not alone. I mean, after the New York Times unsuccessful unsuccessful attempt to remove President Trump from office uh, through the Russian uh, collusion hoax, it shifted in, uh, its strategy from uh, foment uh, the, the the charge of Trump is a racist. In August 2019, the Times uh, Executive Director Dean Bequet uh, in in leaked audio. Now he he spoke about this this shifting strategy that quote we rebuild our newsroom to cover one we built our newsroom to cover one story Russia collusion and we did it truly well. Now we have to regroup and shift resources to em- emphasis to take on a different story Trump's racism. You see just 2 days before he was caught on tape saying that the, the Times announced its 1619 project. You may be aware of what the 1619 project is, which p- promotes a narrative that America is founded on slavery with racism continuing as its fundamental driving force here in America. Only a perverted reading of history can, can lead to that conclusion, in my, in my estimation. But the ideologies at the, at the Times had no interest in the truth. They aimed to lay the ideological groundwork to paint Trump and his followers, really, as racists. Then came Basement Biden's successful coup on on November 3rd of 2020. And and with Trump gone, leftists put all patriotic Americans into their crosshairs. Our our children, the military, corporations, governments, colleges, sports... And entertainment are are their targets, really. Critical race theory launched in in 1986, and you may think that it's a new thing, but no, critical race theory actually goes back to uh, about 1986 when the uh, aforementioned um, uh, said that that uh, um, that it, it was this thing taught in colleges, according to CRT. We are all racist, especially the Anglo-Americans. This charge has sticking power because America has a grim view of slavery, um, which it should. And, and, and 100 years after slavery ended, well, by the, you know, the, 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 the struggle of, of civil rights in the United States, we, we have come a long way. And in, in 1776, the, the Southern colonies refused to sign the Declaration of Independence unless Thomas Jefferson, Ben Franklin, and John Adams deleted the language calling for slavery slavery's uh, abolition. So we would not have had a Declaration of Independence if they hadn't relented on that. But what they did do was they put in to the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution the ability to have that change. It's a living document. Adams and Jefferson, in in their later historic exchange of letters, feared for the Union's survival in the face of an approaching, um, you know, cataclysm over the over the uh, slavery issue, and so they wanted a way for that to change. Slavery's scourge culminated with the Civil War, and 
in his second inaugural address on, on March 4th of 1865, Abraham Lincoln, possibly the greatest president in, in U.S. history, in my opinion, uh, captured two profound truths about the Civil War and, and slavery. First, he stated, finally, we, finally do we hope, fervently do we pray, that this mighty scourge of war may speedily pass away. Yet, if God wills that it continue until all the wealth piled by the bondsman's 250 years of unrequited toil shall be sunk and until every drop of blood drawn with the lash shall be paid by another drawn with the sword. As was said 3,000 years ago, so still it must be said, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteousness altogether. You see, Lincoln understood that God required that all the wealth gained through slavery over the 250 years had to be lost in a struggle and that every drop of blood slaves shed must be repaid by the loss of blood by the South and North. The Civil War and 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 served it served as a as a retribution for the sin of slavery. And Lincoln concluded by saying, with the malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the in the right as God gives us to see the right, let us strive on to finish the work we are in and bind up the nation's wounds to care for him who shall have borne the battle and for his widow and his orphan, to do all which may are, achieve and cherish a just and, blast, and lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. You see, this was a profound insight into how the nation indeed to heal following the war's retribution. Unfortunately, Lincoln was assassinated on April 14th, 1865. And that really, it thrust the nation into, um, in, into a state where, where the wounds were not, were not bound. We, we didn't heal from that and, and, and it prolonged what happened. Um, and I will say, uh, that we even see, uh, Walt Disney, for instance, Walt Disney had a vision of Epcot center. And when he, when he was building, Disney World in Florida, he, he had a, a vision where um, you, you could see all the, the nations of the, of the world coming together and acting as one. Uh, he, he didn't see it uh, happen because uh, obviously he died before it was, it was uh, started. But, you know, his, his brother took on that mantle. And, and of course, he, unfortunately, uh, you know, he, also passed away, um, and I, and before the doors were even opened, but, uh, and, and we didn't, we didn't see that come together, but, but we see Cory Bush, BLM Marxists, um, ha, they have no solution to racism, but communism, revenge, oppression, hatred, and destruction. You know, her, her solution falls far short of Jeff, Jefferson's Adams, Franklin's, Lincoln's, Disney's vision, you know, may our Republic withstand this assault from within. We are the city on the hill, as Reagan put it, despite what the squad says, right? You 
may agree with me and you may not agree with me, but I would definitely love to hear what you have to think on the subject. And you can always do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. And thank you for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.